Hello and welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast brought to you by Field Street Baptist Church. On this podcast, your host Cody Kitchen sits across the table from Dr. John Hall as he reviews his Sunday sermon from the week before. Welcome to Upon Further Review podcast, the show that takes a deep dive into Pastor John's sermons from the Sunday before. I'm your host, Cody Kitchen, and today we're talking about Luke chapter 24, verse 36 through 53, with the title of the message, Last Words. And joined with me, as always, is Dr. John Hall. Good afternoon, everyone. We, we are talking about the last sermon in Luke. Yes. How do you feel? Relieved. <laughs> Overjoyed. Um, it's quite a feat. I bet. Man, what a journey. <laughs> a it's lot been of a, sermons. It's been a great journey Thank through you. Luke. And yeah. I've enjoyed a lot of the sermons, if not all of them. Yeah, a lot of kids have been yeah. born during this series. I don't remember a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, a lot of kids. Uh, you you're, well, you're welcome. <laughs> you know what's crazy? I've said this before. Is When I first started here almost two years ago, you were in Luke chapter <laughs> 5, I believe. <laughs> you're welcome. So I wasn't here for all of it. Yeah. But I know every time the kids come home, it's like, Dad, you're still in Luke. <laughs> and I can say, nope. Oh, that's funny. Well, make sure that you listen to this whole episode, because not only is it going to be good, but then that stupid segment yeah. is going to be <laughs> it's good, It's truly too. stupid. That's right. It yeah. is really yeah, stupid. Yeah, I'm sure I'll get some emails. Well, Jerry will, but... Yeah, jerrym <laughs> at fieldstreet.com. Well, as always, as you prepare this message, what are some things that came to mind? Two things, primarily. One was the euphoria I felt that this was the last message in Luke. Uh, I started this series back in October of 2020, and so we completed it this past Sunday. So that was the first thought, and the second thought was a close cousin to the first thought, was just my gratitude to be a part of a congregation that will endure a series of that magnitude, that long, that intense. But I think it was invaluable in terms of helping us to have a greater awe of Christ a portrait of what the world looks like with God in it through and in his son, Jesus Christ. So I, I think it was very worthwhile to move our way through Luke, even though it was a rather lengthy series. So thanks to the church for being so patient. Thanks to God for just helping us uh, plot along in that. I think it was time very well spent, but it was a lot of Sundays. That's great. Yeah. Well, On Sunday, you started giving us, in your introduction, some examples of some last words throughout history, and you then presented the last words of Jesus as recorded by Luke, and these words were powerful and caused me personally to, again, I think what Luke has done this whole time, to reflect on how I view my Savior, how I view Jesus, and you gave us three summary statements that Jesus said in these verses. The first was, I am no ghost. And in these verses, you identified that Jesus appears to this believing community, and naturally they were frightened and thought that Jesus was a ghost. And you point to verse 38 where Jesus asks why they were troubled and why doubt set up shop in their hearts. And I love that you you say they were most likely doubting the physical, bodily, corporal resurrection of Jesus. So my question is, why do you think that the appearance, appearance of Jesus and Jesus proving he was not a ghost was so important 
to do to the community of believers? Yeah, that's a good question. And it, it's to me, it is of paramount importance that Jesus established that he was not a bodiless uh, appearance of himself. And frankly, the bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ is the linchpin of the Christian faith. Everything about the Christian faith rises or falls on this biblical truth that Jesus rose from the dead physically. And so I think it was important for him to establish this in the minds and hearts of his followers because they thought they were seeing a spirit and they were frightened. But they were also overcome with joy and amazement because they still just couldn't believe this. They'd never seen this before. They, they, they were in the vicinity of the whole scene that brought about the crucifixion of Christ and they saw where his body was laid. So for him to appear again in three days, I think it was just essential. It's, it's such an act of grace and goodness and mercy on Jesus' part to offer them the evidences that he did. Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. So I think it's just crucial, even for our faith in the 21st century, that we believe in a risen Lord. And I think, too, he was wanting to drill down that they were not just seeing things, that they could trust what their eyes were observing, that this was real, and that this was in accordance with the scriptures, and he points them to the law of Moses, he points them to the prophets and the Psalms. It's genius what Jesus did. And I think just so gracious. You're talking about why would anybody want to give what was left of their lives at this point for a, a, a ghost? Mm-hmm. I thought I saw something, but I'm not sure. He made sure they knew what they were seeing and the way he did it, the way he opened their minds ultimately to the scriptures, and the light came on. I just, I think it's genius what Jesus yeah. did. Even right up until his ascension, it's obvious the Lord is attending to every crucial detail. Right up, to, up until, and even beyond that, but he, he leaves them, physically leaves them, disappears into the heavens. It's amazing. It's just not, okay, I'm done. And then he gets sort of sloppy about how he ends. Right. You don't see that at all, especially in Luke's account. And none of the other gospel writers, but the details that Luke gives us as it relates to the ascension, he's the only one that records the ascension. So I think it was crucial that what he did, and it substantiates that he was the crucified Savior and the risen Lord yeah. in the flesh. Now, I don't know how he could move around the way he did, you know, because he would disappear, vanish from them. So I think he had a body, but there's something unique about that body. Uh, I can't answer that. That's and wild. if you could, write the book and sell it. Yeah, I can't. And make a buck. I know it surprises everybody, but I can't. <laughs> I am surprised, being that you're a, <laughs> a, a rock star or seminary student. But um, that's that would be what I'd offer in terms of an answer to that question. Yeah, that's really good. And it... It just strikes me, and I think it goes again, and not to make it personal, but I think to make it personal, <laughs> it 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 strikes me, and just a reminder when we were reading is that God's plan from the beginning was this to happen, but that He cares so much that 
they wanted because I'm sure the disciples especially were or we know from the accounts that they were they were depressed they were distraught they even with Jesus's teachings they you know what the heck they what just happened and so it's almost as if also from the beginning he planned it as hey I still care about you and I'm going to prove to you that this is all a part of the plan and that's what just continues to remind me is that we serve a God not only that died on the cross rose again but also made the attempt to go back to the very people that he left yeah. to say hey I still got you and yeah. will for the rest of eternity so it's just a good reminder for me mm-hmm. that we don't serve a God who doesn't know us that doesn't leave us yeah but is there yeah pastorally speaking I think that's actually you know quite true and we all need to be reminded from time to time that he is indeed with us yeah, yeah. glad you pointed out yeah. And then you uh, transitioned to the second statement, which was, I had to die. And I really do love this and that you spent some time in this in verse 44 and 49. And you tell us that Jesus reminds them of what he had previously taught about his death and resurrection. He referenced, you've already talked about this, that he referenced the scriptures that were written about him. And you point out that, our, that the Lord opened their eyes, which I am always fascinated with how Luke Put the, those details that ha- how the Lord mm-hmm. opened up their eyes and taught um, to understand what He has has said about the gospel being proclaimed. You gave us multiple verses in which you answer the question, "Why the gospel?" And you tell us it's significant because of the importance of the disciples being eyewitnesses to these things. And I quickly summarized the the, the point that you had, but my question is: We see. Jesus commissioning the disciples to go and do his work in the world when empowered by the Holy Spirit. So how does this commissioning affect us as well, and how should we take it? Well, that commission extends to us, and we are actually here on earth to extend and continue the the work of Christ, the ministry of Christ that he set into motion, you know, 2,000 years ago. So it has absolute relevance for the 21st century Christian who says, well, I follow Christ, and my life is not my own. My life belongs to him, and my life is a tool in his hands, and I'm to be his witness here in Cleburne, starting in my own home, the neighborhoods, where we go to work, where we live life, the ball field, the school campus, the restaurant, the grocery stores, wherever it is, we're, we're all on mission for Christ. And, and we have to learn and develop that muscle that says, I'm on mission for him, but I'm intentionally on mission for him. I, I'm his agent in this world. I'm a minister of reconciliation. I'm an ambassador of his. So I think that what he commissioned in the authority that came, and by that authority, he made that, you know, gave his followers their marching orders that you're, to, you're now to go to work. The work's not done. The work has just begun. Yeah. But the work you do is now, uh, it, it is built on the foundation of his work on the cross and then the, and the Father raising him back to life. So the resurrection is just phenomenally important for everything about the Christian faith. But, yes, that commission extends to all of us who, yeah. who claim to follow Jesus. That's good. It's very important. 
It is, and I love that you, and I didn't spend much time on it because you just need to go back and listen to the sermon because you did such a good job of really parsing, and that's not the right word, but really taking what the scripture was saying about even using other scriptures of the law of Moses and the prophets, but even bringing up the gospel of this is why the gospel, this is why it's important, and you're right. I think it has so much importance for us today. And I know I get in my own, we all do, but I know I get in my own way of getting selfish sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we all do. It's just a great reminder, and I think, remi- again, another good reminder this Sunday of, man, Christ had to die. Mm-hmm. He had to die to do what he did for for me, for you, for us. Right. And f- it should be, and I, I think it is, but it's just a good reminder, it should be why we get up in the morning and do what we do. Right. <laughs> I mean, ideally, that's what we want. Want to be motivated right. by Christ's own example, and that's not always the case. No. But it sure is uh, compelling what Jesus did, why he did it, and that he did it voluntarily and obediently and lovingly. It's nothing short of remarkable. I mean, even if you are not a follower of Christ, I don't know how you cannot wind up admiring this man. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I don't know how you don't stand back and go. There's no one like him, right? I know I've said this before. And I think it's worth saying it again. Here is that one of the things that I really loved about this series in Luke that you've done a really good job is keeping the authenticity of Luke's interpretation, his message mm-hmm. to Luke, mm-hmm. because not that any of the Gospels don't do it, because they do in mm-hmm. their own way. But Luke does such a great job of bringing and elevating Christ in a way that I think most people kind of in a, he was a physician. <laughs> so right. he, he made it in kind of that understanding. And so I'm saying that to say you've done such a good job to keep that authentic to where we've, I've seen it in a way that I've never really seen it or looked at it before. Because a lot of times we read it as, well, it's just the Bible, yeah. you know. But keeping that authenticity of how the Spirit spoke through Luke mm. to write down this message. And yeah. so I'm saying that as a compliment to you, but also you. saying that it's, I mean, it has been cool to see the way that Luke has made the importance of this is why Christ died. Right. It's such a bigger picture than ourselves. Right. Um, and sometimes I know I've done it because I've read Luke before where we just skip right over that. Right. But Luke emphasized that. And he drilled on that, the right. whole gospel. Right. Um, and so it's just something I've caught. Yeah, really. thank you. It's been cool to see that the Lord has revealed that and where I understand that. And I hope, and I think others have seen that too <laughs> and the importance of it. Sure. So with that, we go into the, the, the last um, where he says, I'm entering my glory in verse 50 through 53, which is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And you referenced back to Luke chapter 22, verse 69, where Jesus refers being seated at God's right hand. You walk through the scriptures where we see that Jesus has ascended into heaven and Jesus finished his earthly ministry and will return as Lord, King, and Judge over creation when he returns. And in the meantime, how can we allow Luke's account of the gospel to penetrate our hearts and minds and apply all that was revealed in scripture? Yeah, that's a really good, broad, sweeping question. And at the risk of sounding you know, hyper-spiritual, I don't intend for that, but... It's going to sound like that. Really and truly, I, I don't see how you can go through the Gospel of Luke the way we did, chapter by chapter, word for word, phrase for phrase, and pick it all apart 
and see what Luke put in his account of, of the life, the teaching, the ministry, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ and not walk away and go, I want to do what they did, which is worship. Mm-hmm. And that's how it ends. It's amazing how that ends. What they did was after he ascended, if you catch that last statement, they, after they worshiped, then they went back to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And so I think when a greater awe and love and affection and reverence for Christ is stirred in our hearts, it leads to worship, and I think uh, worship ultimately leads to obedience. Mm. It leads to, I want to live for the one that I worship. I want to live authentically and genuinely and consistently for the one that saved me and died for me, who's Lord, God, and King. And I don't know how you walk away from finishing Luke as we've done and not have a, a more exalted view of the Lord Jesus. Yeah. I don't know how if, if that didn't happen, we missed it. Mm. So I think practically it's like man, I, I on a daily effort, I want to live for this Christ who is so profoundly remarkable that John said there were things about him and what he did and said that it would take volumes mm-hmm. to record it. Luke doesn't say that John says it, but um, so I think, to me, it's a spiritual and practical implication. So the spiritual part is, I think it leads you to have a greater love for Christ, and then that greater love for Christ leads you to want to demonstrate that in how you live. The same is true for the love you have for your spouse, for example. The more you love her, the more you want to serve her, honor her, and be kind and gracious and live a, a, a godly life on her, you know, for her, uh, I don't not really on her behalf because it's on behalf of Christ. Sure. But I think when you love Jesus more deeply, the way they obviously did, and they saw it, and I love that he says because I, I tried to labor on this a little bit that he made the point to say you're eyewitnesses of this. You have an advantage no one else in history is going to have. You saw this. And seeing it, I think he's making the implication should move your heart to love him more. And when we love Christ more, I think it usually leads to a more fruitful and obedient life. Mm. So that's my answer. That's good. Yeah. I know it was a very broad answer. Yeah. It was a (laughs) question. Yeah. I I was like, when I saw that, I was like, how am I going to answer that? I'll just kind of take my cue from the text. They. It strikes me that when they saw him go up, they were like, they worshipped. Hmm. Which to me is like, they were in awe. Yep. Like, wowzer. And I love that you brought that up because it's just what we just said. I love, again, Luke is highlighting mm-hmm. just the exaltation, as you already said, of Christ and how important it is. And again, that just is a great reminder of how important worship is mm. that we worship for Christ. Yeah, and who we worship. Exactly. Uh, so it is important. You know, there's there's a lot of debate in the church today about, you know, there's a lot of ground we can give on how we worship. Mm. Man, I don't see that in the Bible. I, I think it's clear who we are supposed to worship. I also think it's clear how we are supposed to worship. Mm. And God has every right to, to determine how he wants us to worship him. And I don't think we get the 
we don't get the right to say we we can do worship any way we want. Mm. Now, that's my personal opinion and yeah. feeling about it, and I know there are many out there who would disagree with me, and that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Sure. Uh, but I, I think the Bible is clear about how much care we should give to how we approach God. Right. Yeah. And that's lost right. in the modern church. So either we recover that or we never lose it in the first place, or we repent and ask God to help us as he did for the church in Revelation, return to us our first love. Mm-hmm. Our first great affection is for him. And that's what I see in these early believers. I mean, would you have done that? Would you have... See, see the risen Lord ascend into the heavens, and they worship Him. I um, hope that would be my. I response. hope I would do that, but I I don't want to be so bold as to say, yeah, that's exactly what I'd have done. But right. I don't know. Um, so anyway, that's, that's good. Yeah. I'll leave that there because that's a whole thirty minute podcast. Yeah, yeah, time. that's another time, another place. Yeah. But that's good. Well, as we close, my favorite question to ask you every week is what are some final thoughts <laughs> yeah well i hope uh that each of you who listen would tell one or two other people about the podcast you know, remember our goal is to have a thousand listeners we can do it we are a long way from that <laughs> terribly long way it's embarrassingly how far we are from that goal so i'd say that and then secondly i want to urge you not to miss the the next few sundays we'll we'll obviously not be in the book of luke so i have a couple of standalone sermons and then on September 17th, I want to launch into a series of sermons from 2 Timothy, which is remarkably relevant for the times, pardon me, in which we live. So that would be my last word, is stay tuned for our next uh, series of sermons that will come from 2 Timothy. And I think we'll probably finish this series by the end of the year, so it won't be as painfully long as Luke was. Right. Yeah, and everybody said Amen. Well, now for our That Stupid segment, where we tell you what's stupid. So, John, what's stupid? Yeah, you know, every week we just labor to land on a topic where you go, yeah, that's stupid. So we've been picking on the NFL, picked on the NFL last year, or last week, and then a lot last fall, which I'm sure we'll do again because it's so easy. (laughs) So today I just want to throw it out there that, first of all, um, as a disclaimer, I I want people to know that I do pray for our president. I pray for President Biden because the Scripture commands that I do so. Having said that, recently President Biden was asked by a reporter, as it's been reported, Mr. President, what comments do you have? What are your thoughts about what's going on? I'm summarizing. What are your thoughts about what's going on with the wildfires in Maui? And the president said, no comment. And I'm like, come on, Mr. President. Throw something out there. You're kind of the comforter-in-chief. Here's your opportunity to say, hey, our hearts go out to these dear people. That's tragic. Uh, We're doing what we can on our end to get organized to help you in the best way possible. Seems to me that wouldn't have been a terribly difficult response. Now, I, to his credit, he is scheduled to make a visit on the ground. So 
want to throw that out there. But Let's hope. I just thought how colossally stupid to miss an opportunity like that to just say our, our hearts go out to these dear people. We're still learning about the situation yeah. on the ground. My plan is to visit there uh, shortly and then uh, leverage the office of the president in such a way to help these these people. That, that ain't hard. Nope. So I thought, man, that's missing that opportunity to me was stupid. Uh, you're right. Stupid. It is stupid. That's it doesn't just, matter what side you're on. Yeah, I mean, you know, and again, I don't want to be, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be interpreted or misunderstood to be critical and bashing the president. Sure. I just think he missed a real opportunity where, you know, compassion is bipartisan. Compassion doesn't need to have an R or a D or an I behind it. Mm. Republican, Democrat, or Independent. Compassion should be universal. And yeah. a lot of people in Maui are, are suffering. Right. So. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Man, you missed it. Yeah, that was a good opportunity yeah. to show some compassion. Well, that's yeah. stupid. I thought that was stupid. But that is pretty stupid. Yeah, you know, if you're fired up about that, um, you don't really appreciate those comments. I get it. Just email Jerry. <laughs> J- Jerry M at feelstreet.com. He'll, he'll email you right back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, guys, as always, we're so thankful you join us every week. And to end this session, remember, make Christ known by what you say and how you live. Yes. Have a great week. Yes, thanks. Thank you all for listening. And be sure to subscribe to Upon Further Review so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, please be sure to reach out to us at info at fieldstreet.com. Thanks for tuning in.